It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, August 5th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Local health officials announced Sitka's 37th confirmed coronavirus case on Tuesday. The woman is in her 20s and was tested on August 3rd. She was exhibiting symptoms at the time of testing. According to a city press release, she is now isolating and state health officials have begun the contact tracing process. She is the 25th Sitka resident to receive a positive COVID-19 test result. Twelve non-residents have also tested positive. One patient has been hospitalized and only three cases remain active, according to city data. For the past few weeks, local authorities have reported slightly higher numbers of cases and recoveries in Sitka than the state COVID dashboard. According to the city press release, the lag between local and state reporting will resolve eventually as, quote, details line up and documentation is received. KCAW has reached out to state health officials for further clarification on the reporting discrepancy. As part of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, Congress appropriated $100 million earlier this year to help tribes cope with housing and sanitation issues during the coronavirus pandemic. As KCAW's Erin McKinstry reports, the funding is helping some Southeast Alaska communities combat existing issues that the pandemic has only made worse. Finding affordable housing in Southeast Alaska is a challenge even during normal times. You know, there's such extreme overcrowding, which is our way of dealing with homelessness. That's Jackie Peta, president and CEO of the Clinkett and Haida Regional Housing Authority. They're the tribally designated housing entity for 12 Southeast Alaska tribes. People in the villages aren't really homeless. They just join another family or another home. But during the pandemic, there are extra fears. Fears that the coronavirus could spread quickly in overcrowded, multi-generational households where access to clean water and sanitation can be limited. So the Housing Authority worked with all 12 tribes to apply for a pot of federal housing and urban development money designated by the CARES Act. So far, nine of those tribes have been awarded funding. Peta says they tried to propose projects that would have a lasting impact. So I really feel like we're on the forefront of trying to be making sure the money is being used in a way that it will have an ongoing benefit rather than just being, you know, a shot in the dark that's just for a moment in time. Alaska tribes have received around a third of what's been dispersed so far nationwide. This is just one piece of the funding puzzle for tribes to address the impacts of the pandemic. But it's an important one, says Alaska HUD director Colleen Bickford. You know, it's going to hopefully improve the overall health and healthy homes across the state. She says the money is for projects that address immediate threats to the health and safety of tribal citizens caused by the pandemic. That could include everything from building new apartments to creating quarantine space to fixing community water lines. And although infrastructure projects can take time, the money is being distributed as part of an existing program. Bickford says she's confident the projects will move quickly. This program is not new with the CARES Act. It's been a program that's been widely used in Alaska previously. So it's, it's a well-oiled engine on getting that funding into the hands of the, of the community. One of the largest tribes in the region says it's the smaller communities that face the most need. Right now, we're hearing more and more cases in our villages. So we're worried about that. Richard Peterson is the president of the Central Council of the Clinkett and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. Juneau is also a regional hub. So I know people are reaching out even from the village asking us, 
what we can do to help with housing issues and isolation and quarantine. That tribe has received $1.5 million to build affordable housing to address overcrowding in Juneau. It's also working on a youth homeless shelter in Juneau. Currently, Juneau doesn't have one. Peterson says he sees these projects and others they've used CARESAC funding for, like an emergency response center, as part of a broader effort to increase emergency preparedness and resilience in the communities they serve across Southeast. We're building ourselves so that we will be able to respond, that we'll be able to um, be a resource for our communities to carry them through any, whether it's a fire or it's a tsunami or, you know, lack of ferry service, which I think we're going to see, you know, again this winter. The final round of funding is expected to be completed by the end of August. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. The Angoon Community Association and the Organized Village of Cake were both awarded grants, according to HUD press releases. Cake will use the money to build affordable housing units and renovate a shelter. The University of Alaska Southeast has posted its pandemic plan for the upcoming semester. It includes guidelines for students, faculty, staff, and visitors. Lori Klein is a vice chancellor at UAS, responsible for enrollment and student affairs. She says an estimated 60 percent of the 250 classes UAS is offering in Juneau will be face-to-face. Our faculty have been working very closely with our facilities and health and safety staff to take a look at each individual classroom and uh, prepare that classroom and that faculty member for for teaching face-to-face to ensure the safety of everybody who steps in that classroom. Going along with federal guidelines, classrooms will be cleaned thoroughly by staff. Hand sanitizer and disposable masks will be available. That applies to all three campuses in Juneau, Ketchikan, and Sitka. We're asking all students and uh, folks coming out to campus to wear face coverings, like most places in town. Our faculty will wear face coverings. All of our staff who come out to campus will also have face coverings. Our classrooms will have a social distance uh, set up in each of our classes that are being taught face-to-face. As for students living on campus, the university is limiting the number of students living in each dorm from four people to two. And if there is a positive COVID-19 case on campus, there are units set aside for quarantine. We can assist them with getting food and laundry services in their quarantine unit uh, and so that we can provide sort of that wraparound service. We'll have a, a team of folks who just check in on mental health needs and wellness needs and academic needs. Classes at UAS begin on August 24th. Petersburg School District is still negotiating plans for reopening school this fall, taking into account the ever-changing guidelines from the state, as well as input from public health officials, parents, and teachers. But a plan is starting to take shape. On Friday, school administrators went over the latest details with board members. KFSK's Corinne Smith reports. School administrators fielded questions from board members in a work session on the latest state guidelines, the Alaska Smart Start 2020 framework. Board member Katie Homeland asked about equitability if Petersburg does follow the state's suggestions of cohorting children into groups of six or less. It's like a great idea, <laughs> but how, how do we choose those cohorts yeah. without um, without segregating them, essentially. Superintendent Erica Clute-Painter responded that it's a challenging task, especially in a small town, because families mix a lot. So maintaining low-risk and equitable groups will require teachers working with students and families. I think we can ask parents if there's people that they 
might be spending more time with in a bubble if it's possible that we could put multiple kids, you know, in the same space. But I, I agree that we have to be really careful. We want to have equity within the classes. Clue Painter said another challenge is creating two systems at the same time, delivering classes in person and digitally. Each will take time, money, and effort. Technically, teachers are still off for the summer until August 18th, so school administrators must wait to coordinate schedules and finalize curriculums until they get back. Petersburg School District petitioned the borough for $778,000 in CARES Act funding to help cover additional staffing, paraprofessionals, and custodians in all three schools. Board members Cheryl File and Katie Holmland asked about hiring new teachers and staff. Within a good situation, we need 10 or 12. I mean, I'm just being... You're thinking about hiring that many people and the amount of stuff already on your plate and Rick's plate and Heather's Mm -hmm. plate. When our real hiring committee is going to happen, though, too. Yeah. We are planning to... We've got things ready to post and go out, and we would post them inside and... And uh, I, I'm not looking to find the people that are going to come in from outside at this point. You know, I think we're looking at... Yeah, because that's two weeks quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Additional staff will enable smaller class sizes, which the board and administrators agree is a positive for students' learning. The superintendent says the goal is as much on-site school as possible and also keeping all teachers and staff safe and COVID protocols in place. We are held to all of the public health guidelines around COVID. So that means travel restrictions, quarantine requirements, symptom-free workplace, and those are all going to pose challenges to us. Masking will be required of all high school and middle school students and their teachers when on site, but with some breaks, and that's to prevent transmission of the virus. Elementary school principal Heather Kahn explains masks will be required for the younger students as well while in transit, but not during class time. We are going to require masks, even though we know that K-1 is not wearing them properly. um, We want them to be part of the gang. And so walking in the hallways, entering the building, exiting the building, getting on to the bus, those kinds of things we can ask for those masks to be worn. So masks are not required during 15 minutes of circle or group time or free choice. Masks may be worn, not required, while working up close with an adult. Khan said masks will be provided for students who may forget them at home, but they will encourage each student to bring their own. The mask policy for teachers is still being negotiated and will be decided when they return from the summer break. School schedules and protocols are still being finalized and will adapt to the number of cases of coronavirus in the community. In Petersburg, I'm Corinne Smith. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.